And now, my friend, the self-admitted genius, Gene Shepard. human beings together, and what do they do? Right? makes no difference whether it's in the year 1712. <laughs> there were guys who were even probably in the very earliest days of the of the medieval world. Uh, if very cold weather hit, it's ten below zero outside of the castle there, and obviously some knave had to stick his tongue out to see whether it would stick to a battle axe. It did. 
and, uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> you just got to you just got to accept it. Now uh, uh, we've been uh, we you know there's this Hegelian uh, concept which uh, Hegel did say this, and I'll, I'll repeat it for those of you who missed it in Staten Island, where so much is missed. I'd like to uh, repeat it for those of you out there who have ears. Uh, Mr. Hegel said that the only thing man learns from history is that man does not learn from history. This is true. Uh, so here we are, deep in the mire of a... Uh, we might as well talk about the energy shortage, you know. You know? It's, uh, now, uh, energy shortages are not new. They are certainly not new. Now, to some of you, they may be. But there have been times and places when I personally have suffered an energy shortage. Like, for example, you know, running out of gas. Uh, have any of you run out of gas at particular exciting moments in your life? Well, uh, I ran out of gas uh, at one time, uh, at a time when I could least afford to run out of gas. Have you ever run out of gas in the middle of the uh, Lincoln Tunnel? Well, you have probably been behind Dill Docks who did, right? All of a sudden... Traffic is lined up, <laughs> comes out of the tunnel, goes all the way over to Long Island someplace, and way at the head of the line is some guy sitting in the front seat of his car looking, you know, real embarrassed. Look at down, you know, he, he can't even look out, out of the window for fear of everybody's going to mob him. He looks down at the floor, and there's some, usually some lady sitting there next to him says, I told you to stop! And he, he, here he's sitting, oh, God. Well, I, I one time ran out of gas right in the middle of the Lincoln Tunnel, and it was a terrible moment. Uh, I was on my way to do a show, and uh, <laughs> I, I went into the tunnel, uh, and I was driving a Porsche, in case you're interested, going hell-bent for election. I went into the tunnel. Everything was great. You know, I just I moved into the tunnel. I had a radio in this car, see? And, and I was to go on at midnight, and for one reason or another, I was late. Uh, and I, but I figured I could make it, see? And I was, I was going through the Lincoln Tunnel, and I, I, as I went into the tunnel, the, I could hear the, the guy on the air. I was listening to the radio station that I was supposed to be on, which, uh, by an odd coincidence, was this very station. Uh, and and uh, I heard this guy who was on before me. See, I, I came on at midnight. This guy was on till midnight, see? And, and it, it, he, I heard him say, well, he said, uh, it's uh, 10 minutes to 12. He said, don't forget all you uh, fans out there, all you good people. Uh, be sure to listen to uh, Shepard comes on in 10 minutes. He'll be here. And, uh, I, I, and I plunged into the tunnel just as he said that. So I knew, I knew that, you know, there was. I had 10 minutes to make it. Well, that was nip and tuck. But I, knowing, knowing the, uh, the machine that I had under my control, which was a Porsche, very fast little machine, and knowing also at the time that there wasn't really that much traffic at midnight, uh, I could make it. I, I, and I really, I figured out, well, it's nip and tuck. It's, it's a nip and tuck, but I will make it. Well, I went down into the tunnel, see, and the tunnel's coming up at me, and I'm going, gah, 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 gah. I'm going along there. And, and, of course, you don't hear anything when you're in the tunnel. Your radio goes out completely when you're in the tunnel. Well, I... I Boom, into the tunnel. Radio's cut out. Bam, gone. And uh, I, I wonder how many of you feel that sense of suddenly being uh, cut off from the world totally when you get into a tunnel. This is a, a brief moment of panic, especially when there's nobody else in the tunnel. You ever looked around, there's no, absolutely nobody behind you, nobody ahead of you, and you can't hear anything, and there's just this long, long, it's a fantastic uh, 
uh, tube ahead of you, and it's never night, it's never day in a tunnel. It's always just the yellow light bulbs hanging down, and it's never winter, it's never summer. It's always exactly that. It's kind of purg- you know, purgatory, and you're hidden through there. I've always, uh, you know, I've noticed in myself, unless there are other cars around me, a brief primal thrill of fear going through me at the moment when I'm in the tunnel and there's nobody else in there. It's like a caveman must have felt this. You know, man, there's a side of man which is pure animal. You, know, you understand this. Even the psychologists have not yet been able to determine all the various urges and, and the subtle instincts that we have that stem from the days when we had webbed feet and, and a fin down our back. That uh, <laughs> Although many people still do. I, I never forget the girl, but that's another story. We'll bring that up sometime later in the week when the kids are in bed. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless... Uh, when you I, when you get into a situation, you see that is 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 primitive in nature. The primitive in you comes out. You can't do anything about it. You can't fight it. You can't say, uh, "I will not be primitive." I am um, like uh, I am just like Gore Vidal, a very uh, superior, educated uh, gentleman of exquisite taste. No, it doesn't work. Not when you are faced with a primitive situation. And being buried underground in a cave that appears to have no end by yourself is a primitive situation. I repeat, when you are underground in that tunnel, your your instinct knows it. Even if your mind refuses to accept the fact you are underground and under maybe 40 feet of water <laughs> and alone... And about as alone as you could ever be, you're buried. You're as alone as you if you were in space. You're underground, and there's nobody else in the tunnel with you. There's a little thrill of primitive fear that immediately erupts. That must have faced. It had. It did. It faced the caveman. Do you notice the sense of of uh, of relief you feel when you see the tunnel end coming up? Why? You don't see any. You don't feel any sense of relief in you when you see uh, when you're driving along the turnpike and you see your exit coming. None is there. You know, not a sense of relief. Maybe a sense of oh boy, well okay. You know, <laughs> we'll have to go through this again. Nothing like that. It's a sense of relief when you hit the end. Why? You can see the mouth of the cave, and you're going to get out of it. That's why. All animals have an instinctive fear of being trapped. Do you know that? If you don't think so, you can take the, the most wonderful, nice dog. You may have this dog 40 years, and you take that nice, wonderful dog, and you back him into a corner, like, in, like into a cardboard box or something, with a watch him flip. The fear of being trapped transcends civilization. The fear of being trapped where there is no exit. It's very close to the fear of being suffocated. Something's going to get you. Something is capital letters. Something. Well, there I am down in the tunnel, see, hell bent for election, going with flat out. I got my foot flat down, and I figure, well, I can make it, see. And I figure there's no cops around here, so I'm really going to boost this little car. You know, wow, this little 1600 Porsche. I'm going all of a sudden, halfway through the tunnel, it goes, ah, wow. That's what the hell's going on here? And I coasted to an extremely silent stop. Right in the middle of the tunnel. 
gas. What? What? I got a full tank of gas. What's the matter with this thing? Did it hit me? Wait a minute. Full tank of gas. I have not filled the tank since last November. And I reached out and I banged the the, the, the dashboard. My my gas tank indicator said full. I banged it. The needle fell. It had been stuck. It fell right down to zero. Oh, crap. Oh, my God. And at that point, I'm sitting in the tunnel. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, and I look at my watch. I got four and a half minutes. And I, I had a, I was going to make it. Say, I saw, what am I going to do? I, I, my first instinct was to jump out and run. You know, run up the tunnel. Just keep running. And just as I do that, I, I, I'm opening the door. I hear coming around the corner. And I look behind me. And here's a gigantic truck. And he sees me, say, sitting right there. He goes, oh, oh. You know, have you ever been blown at with about 700 pounds of air pressure into a pair of Buell air horns in a tunnel? I can tell you, you don't know what it's like. He parted my hair from the back. My hair just went whoop like that. He went, you know, the horns. And I could, <laughs> he had so much horn power that the back of my car went right up off the ground. I could just feel it going up, you know, it wasn't touching the damn ground. Whoop like that. And I, you know, what am I going to do? You know, do you think I was just stopping there to look at the scenery? You know, there's always the guy that blows the horn. What, I, you know, what do you think I was doing, see? So he goes again. Well, at that point, I stuck my hand out and gave him a very famous uh, universal sign of greeting, which many of you know. It's a hand signal that one gives to a feather of human beings. Well, he, you know, at that point, see, I could see him in my rearview mirror. He's turning purple. He's in this gigantic white cab-over-engine diesel truck and tremendous thing. Well, it, just as he's getting ready to get out, you hear, boom, somebody's behind him, see, boom, boom, and he looks out, he's waving. Well, holy God, here it is. The next, oh, gee, it just seems like all of a sudden every kind creation is beginning to head down into that tunnel, see. They're coming down like hell. Well, at that point, see, there's signs all over in there. It says, do not get out of your car if you're stalled. Have you seen those signs? Well, I, I look at the signs. Do not get out of, what am I going to do? See, well, it, I, I'm sitting in the, in the car, frantic. I'm banging it, trying to get it started. I figured there must be at least a little vapor in the bottom of the carburetor or something. And it would turn up. Poop out again. And then, but, let me tell you this, friends. You learn to hate a car. In moments like this, you do. In spite of the fact, you know, it's a beautiful car. You hate it. Boom! Horns blowing. And at that point, I see in my rearview mirror, I see these yellow lights coming. You know, swinging like that. And this gigantic truck pulls up next to me. You know, the big yellow truck with all kinds. A cop gets out and he says, "What the hell is the matter with you?" And I said, "I'm out of gas." He says, out of gas. He says, what, in a little tin can like this, you run out of gas? What are you trying to you know, It's like, you know, what kind of a cheapskate are you? This thing gets about 400 miles a gallon, you run out of gas. I said, well, I'm out of gas. I don't know what to do. He says, well, uh, wait a minute. He says, let me, let, uh, just a minute. He gets back in the truck. You know, these guys get all the time. They're not going anywhere, you know. He gets on the radio. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, the radio, and all the while, the lines are getting longer. See, people are yelling and hollering, and by this time, horns are blowing, and buses have stopped, and old ladies are crying. <laughs> and there I am, in the middle of it all, just sitting there. And finally, he gets back out of the trunk. He says, all right. He says, uh, let's push this thing forward. And so he and I got out. We just pushed the car, a little car, so we pushed it forward. 
At that point, he pulls up behind me in this gigantic truck with an enormous bumper. You know. And I might add, this was an aluminum-bodied car. He backs up and he puts that baby into first. It was interesting. If you guys have ever been worried about uh, reducing the uh, wheelbase of your car, just get shoved sometimes by some police vehicle. You reduce the vehicle's base. He just flattened the back end nicely and just, <laughs> I lost about three inches. And we just moved right out out to followed by this giant line. And I'm sitting in there, see? Oh, wow. And at, at this point, I'm so totally humiliated that thoughts of anything else have gone out of my mind. They just completely. All I'm worried about is that 5,000 people are lined up in the, in the Lincoln Tunnel behind me. And this guy is looking real mad. He's driving this big yellow truck with a big thing, see? And he pushes me out at the end of the tunnel. And I just go right out. I see the tunnel coming up the end. The car goes right up the ramp. And goes, pulls up like that. And as it gets up the ramp, my radio, which I had forgotten to turn off, goes on. It says, I don't know what happened to Shepard. He's on. <laughs> this guy is on, still on the air. I say, oh, my God, that's right. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm late. See? And, I, and I start pulling this car up. He's pushing me off towards the sides. And people are going by all looking mad. All kinds of people, guys are giving me the old, you know, the old salute. And other guys, ah, yeah, ah, yelp. People are very, very unkind to other people's misfortunes. You know this. This is an absolute established fact. You are going to get no sympathy from your fellow New Jerseyites out there, friends, if you run out of gas and stop them from going where... But I'm going to say this, they'd expect a little from you. If <laughs> So, you know, goodwill is usually a one-way street. You agree with that? So here, going by, guys are yelling. Well, I took the yelling. See, uh, I, I'm yelling back. So I'm like, oh, you Come on back and say that, you fink. You know, they're driving out. So we're, we're yelling back and forth. Well, I'm sitting in the car, and the cop walks over, and he says, all right. He says, you're going to have to get it out of here, Bill. Come on, buddy. You're going to have to move it out of here. You can't keep leave it here all night. I said, what am I supposed to do? He said, I'm going to leave the car and get some gas. Well... It ain't easy when you're at the base of the tunnel to, quote, get some gas. <laughs> I am not going to burden you with the rest of the long, onerous night that lasted maybe a week or two. As I went, it seemed like for endless miles, uh, and finally came back. Have you ever gone into a gas station and, 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 and said to the guy, I need two gallons of gas? Well, the first thing they say to you is, well, I got a can? And you say, well, no, I don't have a can. Well, I can't help you, buddy. And you say, well, well yeah, wait a minute. I, my car's not... Yeah. Uh, come on, uh, move out of the way there. Okay, move it in here, bud. Uh, let me change the oil. And he's not going to talk to you. So I finally wound up by buying a $25 gas can from, incidentally, a gas station that has a great big sign over it that says, Our watchword is service. They don't tell you how much you have to pay for it, though. It's a very good service. you got ready to pay $25 for a for a 50-cent can, you know. So I says, well, can I bring it back? The sorry, buddy, that's a $25 can. I've only got three of them cans of collector's items. It's $25. Okay. So I went hiking back with my can of gas. I get back. Well, I pour the gas in the car. Turn the key on. Now, I knew I had a gallon and a half is what had this can held. A gallon and a half of gas. I poured the gas in the car. Would you believe it? That miserable meter read full. What <laughs> right to the top? <sighs> so you can't trust anything, friends. Which reminds me, this is W O R in New York. Oh, oh yes, we got to get back to this problem with the with the with the struggle. Oh, well, listen, I had I had one time. You talk about the energy shortages. I uh, I one time uh, 
you, uh, we're going to have to talk about it the way it is, right? You want to talk about it the way it is, friends? Okay. Uh, you realize that uh, during this current uh, so-called energy shortage, which is not an energy shortage at all, we've just run out. Uh, see, a shortage implies it's coming back. <laughs> yes, indeed. But uh, never... <laughs> oh, boy. When they used to give uh, fill out the president's cards in all these, uh, remember that you'd get these little round things, you'd fill out the president's in your gas tank. You wouldn't know about this, Jerry. You don't know about gas, but you go in, you fill it out, right? Remember that? I still have a glove compartment full of pictures of Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what they gave me. I kept getting Calvin Coolidge. I don't know this guy out on uh, the gas station where I went, he, kind of, he only had Calvin Coolidge. I kept saying to him, well, I need a William McKinley to fill out my card. I also need Millard Fillmore. I need James W. Polk. And he said, ah, God, don't, don't bother me here. There's another Cal Coolidge. I'll trade it for you when you get in later. Well, too late now. I've got 300 Cal Coolidge emblems. No gas, but plenty of Cal Coolidge emblems. Now, uh, 
Right, this is all part of life. You've got to accept it. So as, as part of the energy shortage, many of you are aware that there has been a, a resurgence and, uh, of interest in, a, in an old hobby that for a while was quiescent. You know, hobbies come and go. It's interesting, they do. Uh, model airplanes, for example, are having a tremendous new uh, upsurge. Were you aware of that? Uh, for years, uh, nobody built model airplanes. Now suddenly it's a big old thing again. So, so hobbies come and go. And for those of you who are interested in, the, in the, a new hobby, may not have done it when it was popular several times ago, uh, I'd like to give you some handy hints and kinks from a practitioner of this great hobby. One of the new spreading, uh, exciting hobbies, and you know the best hobby is a hobby that gives you some personal reward, something uh, that uh, is, is personally fulfilling. And one of the new hobbies is gas siphoning. Uh, for those of you who have not tried gas siphoning as a rich, fulfilling hobby, I'd like to suggest that there are many things about it that you may not be aware of. For one, one thing, any, any expert to gas siphoner, anyone who's uh, done any, uh, what we call a gas siphoning in anger, which means you need that damn gas, you're not just doing it for kicks, can tell you that, uh, that there are some pitfalls to be avoided. One, one must learn exquisite breath control. Uh, anyone who believes that uh, siphoning, uh, uh, the, uh, the hobby of gas siphoning is a simple thing that any uh, 12-year-old retarded child can learn uh, is seriously misinformed. Uh, for one thing, the older you are, the less chance you have of learning siphoning in its more glorious ways and forms. Begin with uh, what I mean by breath control. The hose must be inserted so that it touches the bottom of the tank. Do not just put the hose in, and, uh, you know, many guys uh, afraid of capture, many of them uh, frantically uh, nervous because it's their first time, uh, are making grievous errors, which uh, could very well wind up with all kinds of repercussions, of which I will illustrate later. Now, uh, the first thing you must remember to do is to put the hose so that you can hear it touch the bottom of the tank. Boom! Dustfully. Then pull it out a quarter of an inch or possibly a half an inch. No more. At that point now, the hose must be draped down out of the gas uh, nozzle, out of the out of the tank opening, down so that it falls below, well below the, if possible, the level of the end of the hose itself. That's perfect siphoning. Now, at that point, this gets very important. The mouth is placed over the end of the hose. This is the uh, the moment of truth, actually, and uh, it's it's one of the most exciting moments in a gas siphoner's. Uh, daily rounds as he pursues his hobby. You then inhale, making sure that there is no air that escapes around the mouth. Make sure that you have a pucker that is uh, almost airproof. You suck like that. But as you suck, you will hear... You'll hear in the tank... Well, the minute the gunking stops, the gas is now on its way up. At this point, watch out. Now, you must... At this point, instincts are important. Some immediately, instinctively know that the gas is on its way and is plunging down that pipe fast. Others, they just keep sucking. And the next thing you know, you've got a quart and a half of Texaco down around your pancreas. Now, if this occurs, I can only say it's going to spoil several meals for you. Don't smoke. Don't smoke. Blue flames coming out of your ears do not help your appearance. Do not smoke. Uh, 
Now, uh, at the point that the gas has now begun to flow, you hold the container in your right hand. The tube must be held in the left hand. Do not be a hawk. Uh, this this is this is also one of the problems because you, man is a greedy creature generally. Do not be a hog. Uh, as as the gas comes comes roaring out, you cap the container, and at that point, don't forget to take your tube when you leave, uh, because this telltale evidence has often proved the downfall to many a person who's been involved in this hobby. Leave quickly with the tube, and after putting on the gas cap, again, be polite. Uh, return the gas cap to its rightful owner, close the little door, as you, and leave. Uh, now, other things which uh, I'd like to point out, be sure to look for a car that has Gulf products in it. They have a nice after-dinner uh, tang, the gasoline. Uh, all gas, by the way, various manufacturers have different, uh, different vintages, different tastes. Uh, one of my favorites, of course, is, uh, if, if those of you who are aficionados of the field, one of my favorites is uh, Texaco Regular. It's a nice, uh, it it uh, it's a nice, uh, unpretentious uh, blend. Uh, very very similar in some ways uh, to its uh, unpretentious qualities to the Vang Adenaire of northern Italy. It's a nice ordinary table gasoline, nothing pretentious. Uh, if you if you're interested in the in the in the truly elegant, uh, some of you may be. Uh, Amico Special Aviation. That is for very very rare occasions. I would not suggest you use this regularly in your low compression heat, but uh, it, uh, it'll get by at a moment's notice if you wish to. So this new hobby is uh, is uh, just taking off like gangbusters, like Billy B. Dan. And we'd like to salute all of you after taking it up for the first time. Good luck. They say uh, be sure to wear dark clothes. Uh, forget forget smoking for at least two or three days after a successful foray. And uh, another thing, too, about it, uh, well, uh, we'll bring that out later.